0: Another solid ground. And uh, actually, what we'd like to do tonight is kind of conclude. uh, We've been in kind of a little bit of a mini series from Exodus and kind of taking a look at um, our our Christian experience as it's kind of delineated and as kind of like a picture book as it's seen in the book of Exodus. So, anyway, we're going to kind of conclude. We're going to see uh, a marvelous destiny to this journey tonight. Uh, and kind of how it relates to us. And then after spring break, we'll hit another little uh, uh, another wind tunnel. Uh, I think we're going to get into something about our human spirit and the value of our human spirit, how to take care of it, how to nourish it, uh, how to keep it clean, how to preserve it, how to exercise it. Uh, anyway, it's a marvelous part of our being. So we want to reserve a good part of what remains of the semester. To find out about our human spirit. But, uh, but tonight we'll do this, um, we'll, uh, we'll look at Exodus. So uh, hopefully you all got a sheet and uh, I'm going to try and keep this, I'm going to try to end by 5.45 so we'll have a little time in small groups and then we got a little special treat uh, for you all uh, closer to six, so after the small groups. So, um, so we want to leave some time for that. But um, anyway, why don't we read the title uh, altogether? Uh, maybe just the subtitle. Just to save a little time, the three key. Three key stages of the Christian journey. How about one more time? Three key stages of the Christian journey. You know, I've got a little confession to make, and that is um, when I got saved, uh, I was 13 years old. Some of you know this story. I got saved just on in the mountains of Montana by my great uncle, uh, my grandfather's brother, and I, the Lord really met me in those mountains, in his little log cabin at the end of a two-mile, single-lane road, uh, really not a road, it was a dirt road through the, the forest uh, there, 20 miles from the Canadian border, basically you know, high up in the, in the Rockies. Anyway, um, though that was a rich experience, And though I really did receive the Lord as my Savior, as my personal Savior, the one who died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, I was very short of what we're going to talk about tonight. And I was actually, you could say, I was deficient. I was deficient of this view. I was deficient of this realization. And um, my uncle helped me on the first two stages though I haven't defined what those two are yet. But anyway, you've got the outline in front of you. But I was very uh, deficient on the third. So anyway, this, as the outline title says, uh, three key stages of the Christian journey. Now, this doesn't mean there's only these three stages. But anyway, we're doing kind of a little mini-series on Exodus. So we're kind of moving a little quick and uh, flying over I'd say at about 20,000 feet. So we don't have time to, you know, is that an oak tree or is that a pepper tree? Well, we don't have time. It's a tree, brother. It's a tree. (laughs) And we got to keep moving. Uh, It's a mini-series. So so these three key stages, Uh, why don't we read number one? We'll, uh, just the Roman numeral there. The Passover lamb. Our Savior's blood, right? Okay. Now, if you remember this, a couple of weeks ago, we we kind of drew this this arc on the board. Sorry, these. these you got to go slow with these markers. Okay. So, where did we all begin our human life, our fallen life? Where were we? Egypt, right? Which, in today's uh, uh, nomenclature. Terminology, what is Egypt? Typify the world. world. I was was born and I was raised in the Satan-corrupted world, right? Um, I didn't have a choice. That's just where I was born, as we all were. I was born enslaved to sin. Um, I remember one time, I was outside my dad's uh, bedroom window And I forget exactly what I was doing out there. But anyway, I was, you know, I don't know. I was old enough to know that I did something wrong. And uh, anyway, I was out there messing around. The hose, the faucet was there. I was probably doing something with the faucet and uh, messing with water. And um, something went wrong. And so I just, ah, but I didn't, I cursed. And then all of a sudden, this, my dad's window, and there's no screen on the window for some reason, and he stuck his head out the window, and I'm down there at the faucet, and he says, what did you say? You know, ah, oh, he caught me. But no one trained me to say that. I never heard my dad curse. But that just was in me, and it came out of me. In a nanosecond right? I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't help it. That's just, it's, it's what's in us. Sin is in us as nature, right? You know, um, so this is our condition. We were born in Egypt. But uh, praise the Lord, the Lord wants to move us out of Egypt. What's the name of this book that we're kind of doing a little mini-series on? Exodus. Exodus. I wonder what that means. Right? Every time you see an exit sign, I hope you get inspired. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's what I'm doing in my life. I'm exiting, right? I'm exiting the world. I'm always exiting out of the world and into Christ. Right? We've sung that hymn, uh, that song quite a bit. It's so an awesome hymn. Out of and into. So, But to get out of Egypt, can I just do that on my own strength, Jacob? Could I just try to button my lip next time? Do a little bit of job check and see if my dad's around, right? Is that going to work? No, it's in me. So what do I need? What do I need? What's going to help me? What's really going to help me to make this exodus? What's the first stage? Whoa. I need the Passover lamb. You know it's kind of interesting. Why don't we read Exodus 12:13 just real quick? And the blood shall be a sign for you upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And there will be no plague upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt, right? Does God judge sin? Wow. Will God judge the world? Wow. Are we susceptible to that judgment? You know what the Bible says? The beginning of fear just on, or excuse me, the beginning of wisdom. You know what the beginning of wisdom is? It's not second grade, right? It's not college. The beginning of wisdom is what? Uh, Yeah, the beginning of wisdom, sorry, is? It's actually not on the outline. Does anyone know this proverb? It's, proverb? it's a proverb. The fear of the Lord. Is it wise to fear the Lord? Oh, extremely. It's the beginning of wisdom. You want to be wise, David? Fear the Lord, right? Fear the Lord. I, I this, this This bothered me. That God was going to judge me for my sin. So when my uncle told me about Christ dying for the forgiveness of my sins, I was interested. I wanted that, right? Okay, and the detergent the Lord uses to cleanse us of our sin is the blood of the Lamb, right? Which is Jesus Christ, right? It's the shedding of blood. Through the shedding of blood, there is forgiveness of sins, right? Death is the payment that has to be paid for sin. Christ died, He had no sin. So he didn't die for his sin. He died for my sin. So whenever God sees that blood, if I believe into that blood, you know, blood signifies death. And if I believe into that blood, that that blood paid my sin, what will God do regarding my sin? Wow. He'll pass over. Over it, right? This verse says, "When I see the blood, you know all the children of Israel were in the house. He didn't look to see who was in the house, are all the good guys in the house, right? Let me let me check, who's in the house? He He wasn't even looking at the people, right? Actually, the Israelites were pretty sinful. But what was he looking for? Blood. God is satisfied with the blood. As long as there's blood." So I'm just going to put... So this is our first stage. If I'm going to, if I'm going to get out of Egypt and I'm going to uh, pass through God's judgment, wow, I need the blood of the Passover lamb, right? So I hope everyone in this room has had that marvelous and precious experience of receiving Christ as their Passover, right? And then you'll have the joy of Christ. Have you had this joy, Glenn? of Christ passing over you. Oh, it's, it's, I, I, the day I got saved, I was so excited. I was so enthralled by what happened. Okay, so that's the first stage. Okay, but, uh, you know, my uncle mentioned something else to me that day, or that I was there for two weeks. I got saved the third day I was there of those 14 days. I was 13 years, 13 years old. And he mentioned something else to me. He said, he said, Tom, you know, someday, you need to get baptized. And that's really all he ever said. He was about 80 years old, he's my great you know, great uncle. And he was a traveling evangelist for a mainstream denomination. Uh, he told me one time he traveled over a million miles sharing Christ, right? That's just how he spent his days. He used to be a dean of a music school in Chicago and one day God called him, actually a little later in life, and he walked away from his job and he just began to drive and be an evangelist and bring Christ to people, right? Anyway, praise the Lord, I got, I got in that number, James. <laughs> he brought Christ to me. And he mentioned this to me. He says, Tom, one day you need to get baptized. And that's all he said. He didn't say what it meant. He didn't say how I could do it, where I could do it. He, he just, he said someday you need to get baptized. So that was just like a little seed, just bloop. And uh, it was about three months later, right? You know, these are stages. And um, um, in the story in Exodus, baptism is seen as what? Yeah, the Red Sea. Yeah, thank you, David. They uh, cross the Red Sea, right? Uh, and the New Testament, we, we touched this last week, Travis shared it, that the, um, that the Red Sea is a picture of our baptism. You know, it's awesome. There is a there is a there's a a sea here. And uh, the children of Israel are here, Israel. And Pharaoh and his army, his army, they're pursuing the Israelites. And they're coming to this this blockade, just this sea. You're gonna swim across it? Right? You know, this verse says. Exodus 14 says, Jehovah said, tell the children of Israel, I love this, move forward. Lord, there's water there. There's a sea there. The Lord says, move forward. And then he says to Moses, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Hallelujah. They got this really completed their exodus, at least in a positional matter, right? They crossed. Okay, so now Israelites are now over here. What does Pharaoh want to do? Wow. They're over. He says, hey, they did it. I can do it. And then what happened? Right? A tsunami came in, right? And wiped out Pharaoh and all his army. This really signifies, in our experience of baptism, in this second major stage, wow, I am terrible on time. Uh, In this second major stage, Pharaoh and his army are left in the baptismal water. And we can stand on that ground. We can take that boast. Have I been baptized? Satan, leave me alone. I have an appeal of a good conscience before God. The Red Sea is behind me, and Pharaoh, you are lost in it. You have drowned in it. And it even says in Exodus, not one soldier came out, the entire army. Okay. This is an awesome position to be in as a believer. It's It's a marvelous second stage, right? This is stage one. This is stage two. And uh, it doesn't mean all problems are solved, but it does say in position. So you can declare it. You can stand there strongly. I am on the other side of the Red Sea. Well, where is the Lord taking us? Where is he guiding us? Where is he leading his children to? Does anybody know? What's the, what's the end of Exodus? The whole book is a complete revelation of God's full salvation just on where, what? It, it, technically, they didn't get to Canaan by the end, but something happens by the, uh, the latter part of Exodus. And actually, a good part of the book is actually occupied with this. You know, if you talk to Hollywood, um, which isn't always the best place to get Bible knowledge <laughs> and Bible revelation, but uh, about halfway through the book, the law is given in chapter 20, Right? But how many chapters are in Exodus? Whoa. Is the Ten Commandments the destination of God's purpose with his people? That's just actually about a half a chapter, right? Yet so many people focus on that, right? But God is leading his people somewhere else. And actually it goes, the rest of the book, 21 through 40 pretty much are occupied with it. Why don't we read Exodus 15, you get a little window of it in Exodus 15:13. We'll read that all together. In your loving kindness you have led the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. So what's the destiny of the Christian experience? What's the goal of the Christian experience? Where is the Lord leading us and guiding us to? What's the verse say? Wow. The holy habitation. In Exodus, it's called the tabernacle. All right. Sorry. Tabernacle. The tabernacle was God's house. It was his dwelling place. In the New Testament, what is this house likened to? Do we all go to a physical place to worship God? Is God building a physical building today that's made with hands? Is that what he's doing today, James? What's what's the tabernacle in the New Testament? This is the Old Testament typology, but it's a type of what? Who can tell me? John, can you tell me? Well. you're you're really going down here brother (laughs) revelation but I mean in principle uh, that's that's kind of it but a little more practical Uh, well (laughs) uh, uh, the house it's God's house ah who said that who said that Oh, yeah, Travis. <laughs> okay, okay. Amen. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> it's this. What is the church? Is the church a bungalow? Is the church just a building on the corner, right with a steeple, right? This is what I was taught. Don't be don't be bothered by me, but I was I was taught this when I was a kid, um, something like this, right? Here's the church. Yeah, here's the steeple. Open the doors. And there's all the people. You don't remember that just on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah. Where are you from, Mercy?
0: There is the church. What are they referring to? Whoa. Open the door and there's all the people. So the, there's a distinction in that little rhyme between people and church. But in God's revelation, the people are, wow. I heard this said one time, this, um, I think this young girl was only like third grade, and the teacher asked, I, I don't know if this was a private school or what, but she asked this young girl, where do you go to church? And the little third grader responded, oh, oh. You know, Mrs. Smith or whatever her name was. Uh, we don't go to church. We are the church. Whoa. Hey, a <laughs> little well, third grader. Yeah, saw a revelation. Because actually, you know what? You know what chapters um, 21? Oh, boy. I think it's uh, 35. You know what's here? Give or take. This may be 34. I forget. You know what's here? A revelation of the tabernacle, how to build it, right? And then 35 or 34 through 40, they actually erect it and they build it. They do it. Hallelujah. And then 40, it's filled with God's glory. Okay. So what does the church? The church is the people. Okay. Uh, In just a few minutes... Uh, How can we do this? Why don't we read Ephesians 2, 21 through 22, okay? In whom all the building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. Wow. So here's the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus And he says, in Christ, in whom all the building is fitted together. What is being fitted together? Who is being fitted together? We are. We're the boards. We're the pieces of this building. And what does God want to do? This is what I never knew when I got saved. This is what I was totally deficient of. I had no idea that there was a corporate aspect to my Christian life. I only thought it was me and God. And not that I didn't like my brother, who was a fellow Christian, but I had no earthly idea that I should get connected to him. I should even be fitted together with somebody. Even it says fitted together, built together. Colossians 2 talks about being knit together. Wow, Jacob, I I had no idea. My uncle just told me, Tom, here's a Bible. And he encouraged me every morning to read the Gospel of John. And so I did that for about three weeks. And that was not bad. But because, you know what? Because I wasn't fitted with anybody, I wasn't connected with anybody. I wasn't knitted together with anybody. After three weeks, on my own, I just, you know. Now, I wasn't baptized, but anyway, I, I, my experience was more like this. Right? Right? Oh, Lord, you know what I needed? I needed others. I needed others I could grow with, right, that I could be fitted with. And by the Lord's mercy... I was in 10th grade, and um, I met a Christian brother by the name of Fred Tomasino and his younger brother, Pat. Right, We were peers. We all went to Granada Hills High School. Right, My claim to fame was John Elway in my chemistry class, John. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, while John was throwing footballs. Um, God was working on me, and I was getting fitted together with Fred and Pat. And then there was an older brother who was maybe uh, 10 years older or so than me, John Mason, right? I became very close to him. And another one who was actually my brother-in-law, my sister's uh, husband, Bob Thomas. I used to keep Bob late. I used to keep him up late at night, Jacob. Because I found out Bob knew the Bible and I wanted to know the Bible. (laughs) I remember my sister, they moved in with my dad and I. My mom died when I was just an infant almost. So um, it was mainly my dad raised me. But anyway, so my sister and her husband moved in. She's seven years my senior. She and her husband moved in to save some money for their first home. So this is when I used to keep my brother-in-law up late at night, just asking questions and just loving the opening of the Bible. And I remember my sister used to yelling down the hallway, Bob, Bob, come to bed. Right? <laughs> oh, Bob, Bob, tell me more, oh. right? Oh, oh yeah, tell me, it's okay, it's just water, bro, just, just water. water. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but no, tell me more, tell me more, <laughs> all right? I was getting connected to other believers. Whoops, I'm falling apart here. (laughs) So, sorry, Daniel. (laughs) But um, anyway, wow. So you know what happened to my Christian life? You know what happened to my Christian life? Wow. I went right through that Red Sea. And then, wow, I started getting a revelation of God's house. And then Fred and I used to have lunch together. And we'd read the Bible together, or we would just talk together. Uh, We would do things I would never do by myself, like preach the gospel. Ah, you don't do that. Right? But because I had a companion, I was emboldened to do what I would never do by myself. I had a companion, right? I'll never forget this. Fred and I were in a gospel meeting on Saturday night and we were enjoying the Lord. I mean, maybe that was, that was the trap, Jacob. And he said, Tom, when we, uh, on campus tomorrow, Granada Hills, let, why don't we meet up near the handball courts and we'll go preach the gospel. He was two years my senior. He was a senior, I was in 10th grade. So I, you know, I wasn't gonna say, oh, I don't do that, Fred. But anyway, he was my companion. And so, wow, anyway, I don't have time for that story. But it was, it was an awesome experience for me. It was my first. I still remember meeting Fred on that playground, right, near the, the handball courts. Then we prayed a little bit. And he says, hey, let's go preach the gospel to that guy. That guy was my best friend for 12 years. Fred had no idea. But it made me stand up for Christ in front of my friend. It was a huge experience for me to speak the Lord to my friend. Anyway, companions, they're powerful. If you pick up what this verse says, as we're knitted together, you know what happens to us? We grow. No connection, no growth. Lots of connections, lots of growth. So I hope, my, I hope all of you get connected, not just to one, not just to two but get connected to many yeah. companions yeah. many companions just on you know what will happen guaranteed growth growth and you'll do things you probably would have never would have done on your own right so it's awesome to be uh, fitted together knit together joined together in the house of God and that as you get as we get knitted together we become one corporate entity, which the Bible calls the church. And God dwells in that knitting. He dwells in the midst of that corporate entity called the body of Christ or the church. Right? So anyway, this is really a key stage in our Christian life. We don't just need the revelation, but Lord, I need the experience um, of being connected and being related and built together with others. And we will grow, right?